If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey folks, welcome to part two of our kissing uh, <laughs> crew. Yeah, I've been getting my shoulders rubbed in the corner by my physio trainer. But the fucking who's the trainer, old guy that trainer, Rocky has? A trainer. Come on, Rocky. Come on, you gotta get back out there. If I had to cut Dave's eye <laughs> so he could see, <laughs> I had to bleed him. I've just been out the back with a bunch of prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> you did take a bit of a fucking scalp early on with the merchandising. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're not going to fuck around. We're going to get right into this. So just to recap, in case you haven't read the title, <laughs> um, this is our fifth fucking birthday, and this is Kiss versus Motley Crue. Who's better? Yeah. yeah. So Kiss versus Motley Crue, completely objective. Dates no back to one of our earliest episodes. It's been a long-running grudge match in this podcast, in particular between David and myself. Although it was Mark that sort of lit the touch paper. Oh, yeah, it was as me. It turns out <laughs> in that interview with Jonah. But yeah, we're trying to settle it once and for all. Go back, listen to the first episode. There was a lot of good points made by myself. David said some stuff. Um, <laughs> now this one, this episode's gonna be weird because last time we were trying to win points by you know saying oh sold more or more songs or whatever, but this time it's about uh, it's more, it's more sub- subjective, of, right? Yeah, well, well, yeah, but also I think that when we get points, we're actually gonna get points taken off us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, this is why I was annoyed at him not awarding points for the bangers round. Don't, don't, I wouldn't worry about it so far, right? <laughs> Just wouldn't worry about it so far. So, so we did a bangers round and. I, I, I thought I was going to score really highly in that. Mark sort of called it even. I just think that's that's a. I mean, okay, fuck it. I'm not going to question the officials. We don't have VAR in this podcast, okay? But um, yeah. yeah, so I'm advocating for Kiss. David is advocating for Motley Crue. Kill. 
Mark, as the adjudicator of this debacle, how would you sum up the events of episode one? I'd say <laughs> there were some great points made on both sides, <laughs> um, and you know what? I think this has been, this has been really interesting. To, like it's been really interesting to hear your takes and. Dave's a lot more passionate than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, considering I don't even like Motley Crue, I'm really going for it here. Don't give it away. Um, no, but I, I do. I just I don't like I don't like them. But they've yeah. got some total bangers. You don't want to take a bullet. Over the last twenty years, I've listened to maybe Motley Crue like maybe five hundred times. You know, <laughs> single songs, and I've listened to Kiss about thirty times until this week because. I just like them more, and now we get to talk about all the other shit. Okay, so... Very, no, but very quickly, mm-hmm. I mean, given that this is episode two, please go and subscribe. Christmas is coming. We've got a record club. With the record club, if you subscribe, we buy the stuff direct off the bands, digital and analogue. They get loads of money for it. We get money to subsidise the podcast. We've mm-hmm. been going for five years, and as much as it sounds like we're just having a jolly, I'm sitting here with a bundle of fucking notes. I, I did at least a full a full time job in this this week, so we really appreciate you giving us some financial support as it gets towards Christmas, mm-hmm. the season of goodwill. We've also season got to buy goodwill. a bottle of port for us. Yeah, we have an even more debauched Christmas special. Uh, where we take questions from the audience. So please go on any of the socials, Mark, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twatch, yep. F- Flap, Unsung Pod. That's, that's what you're looking for. Gulp. That's the handle you're looking for. Um, just, just at us in any of those at things. Us, yeah. and, um, and if you can't afford the record club, uh, that's a shame. Feel bad for you. But uh, you could also give us four quid for the normal membership. A pint. Less, actually uh, less than a pint. Less than a pint. It's like mm-hmm. a fucking half pint yeah. now. Especially if you go to the places that Dave hangs out. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, four pounds and you get admitted to the kind of AAA pass thing on Facebook, which is really good because we get to chat and people suggest episodes and you get a lot of direct uh, input into the content of the episodes. Anyway, that's that. We've got our breaths. Our trainers have patched up Dave's eye, they've rubbed my thighs, and mm-hmm. we're good to go. So we have two rounds left. Yep. Two proper rounds. Yeah, the real real important ones as well. Yeah. So we have Cultural Legacy. Yeah. Okay. Which I think will be a close one, actually. Yep. Mm, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Notoriety, Madness and Lore. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think that will be... I think... I think you'll win that one Do because you? it's going to take points off I'm taking for all points the shit off. that I'm we get. I'm taking points yeah, off yeah, that yeah, one, that's yeah. True, that's true. Uh, so let's start off on a high note and we'll, we'll careen towards destruction, right? <laughs> we'll go with cultural legacy. So this is one that I am going to just like count. I'm just going to count this on the fly, this one. Okay. Uh, this is a like much like the bangers round. This is not one that I've really done much in the way of scoring for anyway, but I want to hear your guys' takes on it. Okay, well, I'll start, because to me, I think Kiss are obviously iconic, and we've talked about their fucking cultural legacy in terms of the visuals, and everybody knows the face paint, and everybody knows the, the fucking star guitar, and everybody everybody knows fucking Kiss as a rock band, even though they actually, when you talk to them, they probably don't know that many songs. But as a product, Kiss is perfect. Uh, but when you actually dig deep, you're like, oh, has Kiss had an iconic biography that defined the a decade of, of debauchery? No. Have Kiss had a sex tape that, you know... Broke the internet before the internet, the internet was before a thing. the internet <laughs> and was on, you know, front page of all the tabloids in the 90s? No. Has 
Kiss got a fucking Netflix special movie in the last three years with Pete Davidson in it and, and fucking Machine Gun, Machine Gun Kelly. Kelly. Like that, those are A-listers doing you know a big budget movie. It was also shit, but it was a big budget <laughs> movie. Forty years later, or thirty, forty years later, because Motley Crue, like on the subconscious, represent something that's you know really interesting, really weird, and really forbidden, I guess. Mm. And we've talked, you know, they've got the fucking, the TV series as well, the, the Pam, and Tommy. Pam and Tommy, and that's on, you know, as a big budget, proper TV series, whereas Kiss are just Kiss, Kiss are a band. So uh, I think it seems obvious that Kiss have a, a bigger cultural legacy, but then when you actually look at it, what are people talking about more right now? I would argue Motley Crue. And it's something to do with nostalgia and looking back at the 80s and maybe it's just to do with the fact that you can't do any of that shit anymore and I mean thank god thank fuck mm. but I mean it's <laughs> a total escapism Motley Crue li- lived this sort of fantasy life in the 80s and people are like I can't believe that and it is like when you read the dirt it's it's more interesting than a lot of novels because they did shit that you just wouldn't think about writing it is stranger than fiction or stupider than fiction. <laughs> <laughs> On the, the dirt in particular for me is as a, as, a, as a work of literature, I suppose, is quite interesting. It's co-written, ghost-written probably. As a, as a work of fiction. By Neil Strauss, yeah. um, who also co-wrote slash ghost-wrote Marlon Manson's autobiography, which is also probably just as depraved. And that's just one fucking man. And probably them. just as untrue. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so I think... Or one of the literary devices that I like in it a lot is that it's written from different perspectives, and I think mm-hmm. that gives it a real feeling of authenticity, which a lot of other autobiographies don't do. And whether they wrote it themselves or whether Neil Strauss wrote it, like each chapter that they write really embodies the voice of that person. I think that's a pretty. I mean, I'm talking about purely from a literary point of view. I think it's a really Really well written book, obviously, with a lot of really interesting things done in it from a literary perspective. Um, some of the stories are probably fake, some of them are probably real. I don't know, we can get into that, I suppose, but Kiss's cultural legacy, Chris? I mean, Kiss's cultural legacy, as I said in the first episode, I, th- I see a lot of parallels with WWE. I think they took music to a, a level of theatrics that nobody had attempted, or they didn't, you know, invent Makeup um, that was, you know, arguably Arthur Brown and certainly Alice Cooper had a big part in that, but they they maximalized it. Um, they didn't invent pyrotechnics. They didn't invent any of that. But they brought all of these things into, into one, and they had all these stupid little gimmicks, you know, like bat wings and flying around the stage and fucking breathing fire, breathing fire, and a big tongue and all this stupid shit and. It was a circus. I mean, it's interesting that they've got an album called Psycho Circus and they reference that kind of stuff all the time. It is. Kiss is a rock and roll circus. Mm-hmm. And bands like Marilyn Manson and bands like Ramstein and bands like Motley Crue wouldn't exist without Kiss. Kiss helped make Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motley Crue musically, as I said in the first episode, completely plagiarised Judas Priest, but they aesthetically, to a large extent, plagiarised a sort of I don't know, somewhere between Kiss and Led Zeppelin. It's, 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 it's weird. And Alice Cooper. And, yeah, wee bits of Alice Cooper, minus the sort of quasi-satanic sort of comedy shit. Um, I mean, I think Nicky Sickles on record is saying that, you know, that was a big... Like, the theatrics of rock and roll was a big influence on, well, glam, I suppose, as well, which is what they wear, or Kiss wear, so it totally makes sense. What's, what's an interesting consideration is that during the 80s, there was 
an entire movement of excess in in the west coast of the states, especially in like LA, California. And I mean, if you watch the decline of Western civilization, part two by Penelope Spheris, it's an incredible account of these deluded young guys who were <laughs> quite androgynous, you know. There's dozens and dozens of these bands that sound the same. I say it's quite androgynous, yet fucking horribly fucking misogynistic and, and sexually... Predatory. Predatory is the perfect word. Um, and there were a lot of people really willing to engage with that and encourage it. A lot of them female as well um but and molly crew were really just part of the pack I'm, I'm not saying that their their sales were not exceptional they weren't the biggest i mean mm. you know guns and roses and things like that but they were certainly up there but what i think molly crew is a masterstroke is that in in hindsight they've sort of retro written themselves into history with like things like the dirt the dirt came out in kind of like pre-modern metal history it came out at a time when people were a bit blurry on the 80s there was a new generation and Motley Crue were like oh we could make ourselves the band of that era and the dirt came out and there was a whole bunch of books coming out at the time that were all trying to outdo each other in terms of excess and Neil Strauss uh, you know you can say he goes through it but I mean Neil Strauss masterminded it in the same way as he masterminded Marilyn Manson I mean that's Marilyn Manson's book also cemented Marilyn Manson's legacy by being out fucking rages but I mean, those books, I say those books are a work of fiction. They're based in reality, but they're, I mean, even if you look at the Dirt, the movie, which then tried to again for a new generation restamp their authority on an entire era, the Dirt, the movie can't even agree with the Dirt, the book. It mm. changes umpteen things just from the book. And that's assuming that you take the book at face value, which I absolutely don't, in both directions. I think there's stuff in the book that is wildly exaggerated and probably if not completely fabricated, at least wildly exaggerated. But then also, I think one of the other things about the dirt that bothers me about it is the stuff that didn't get into it for legal reasons. I mean, when you consider the things that are in there, the things that they just couldn't put in there, which I kind of touched on when I was talking about that, Rhodey's compilation book where they couldn't name the bands, but they were describing dropping off young women at A&E that weren't breathing and things like that. And, and you just... There's something horrible and artificial and manufactured. And looking at Nicky Six, he admits that. I mean, he, he put that band together to succeed. There's a, there's a, some really interesting articles. Or not, um, I mean, we're talking about the book, The Dirt. It's not the only book that's been written about Motley Crue or including uh, Motley Crue. There, there was a book called No Sleep Till Sudbury, written by a, a journalist called Brent Jensen. And there's a Motley Crue chapter in that. I think it was subtitled Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And it was about. Uh, Nicky Six, his real mm. name's Francis. What's it, Francis? Pereira. Pereira. It just just really laying out what Motley Crue actually was. So, like, to to to, to give you some cliff notes from that book, Motley Crue was only successful for two reasons. The first is because young people are so willingly prone to give in to their basest instincts. The second is because Nicky Six knows this. Uh, Nicky Six is a concept created by alter ego Frank Ferrana. It's not real, and neither is Motley Crue. Motley was a visual production accompanied by a musical soundtrack, a proto-kiss regurgitation based on what he absorbed from them and other acts, such as, as I said, Judas Priest and Saxon, that he placed on an equal or a greater emphasis on image as they did musical content. And you can see a lot of parallels in Motley Crue's kind of leather stuff as well with Judas Priest. Um talks about how people were really into Tommy Lee, for example, at the time, because he played with a lot of flamboyance. He did loads of stick twirls and used to break his cymbals and he played live. So that gave him a bit of edge over their peers. So 
Tommy Lee's playing did help. He was in the he was in the march. He was in the, the marching band in school with a drummer. All right, okay, but it was more about getting people's attention, kind of the same way as the New York Dolls did or or or, or Kiss did. Um, Motley Crue was essentially, and this is in Brent Jensen's words, a rite of passage for postgraduate Kiss fans that were fourteen and eighty three, and and this is where you know Nicky Six hit the bullseye as a Kiss fan himself. He knew it was a tried and tested formula, and it just needed a bit of tweaking for a new generation. So you know Gene Simmons breathed fire, Nicky Six lit his legs on fire, Gene Simmons spat blood, McMars drilled blood on stage. And uh, Jensen suggests that Motley Crue's not a heavy metal band, you know, Shout at the Devil only sounded the way it did to get your attention and also to provide a kind of metallic backdrop to the image that Nicky Six had lifted from uh, the guy that he played with in London who went on to be in Wasp. Blackie Blackwell. Uh, Blackie Lawless. Blackie yeah. Lawless, yeah. So I, I think I think it's interesting the, the parallels. Like the Motley Crue was a less ambitious artificial product. It was like somebody that saw what was going on in LA, wanted a, a slice of the pie, and put this thing together, bringing in Mick Mars, who was much older than Tommy Lee and all that stuff. So I think we can dispel uh, to some extent with the notion that Kiss is a a big stupid fake band, and Motley Crue were the real deal, albeit they were they were out of control. I don't think Motley Crue were the real deal. Um, and I think what they've done in hindsight, I don't dispute that they have a cultural legacy, but I think the cultural legacy, as much as Kiss were the masters of merchandising, Motley Crue were the masters of spotting the moment mm-hmm. where they could write themselves into the history of that era in a much, much bigger way than I think they, 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 they perhaps even deserved. Um, because as I said, at the time, bands like Warrant... Rat, Hanoi Rocks, Wasp, Skid Row, Dio, Winger, Choir Boys, Faster Pussycat. We're all doing the same fucking thing. Yeah, but they weren't selling as many records and they weren't co-headlining. No, there were certain ingredients in that that <clears> helped <throat> them. And and definitely a couple of them were a couple of the songs. And a couple of them were and the also, theatrics. I mean, Motley Crue literally just went out and killed some of those members. That will come up later on. Um, there, there is that. There is that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I don't want to like, suggest that I'm saying that the, the Motley Crue didn't have a cultural significance, but I think it's greatly exaggerated, and I think it's exaggerated... Yeah, but the whole point is is that it's exaggerated, and it's like people are looking back at that era in the 80s, and they take Motley Crue as this touchstone of debauchery and... Looking back. Yeah, yeah, Kiss, yeah, exactly. Kiss but that's what that cultural touch- legacy is, yeah, but is Kiss, looking back. But I would say the difference is that Kiss were that touchstone at the time. Yeah, but... Uh, now, admittedly, uh, after after uh-huh. Alive came out, 
Kiss became that that touchstone. Admittedly, the first the first three albums of Kiss weren't a touchstone until they they got retrospective success. But from that era of the likes of Destroyer for a good three or four years in the late seventies, and then a couple of moments in the eighties, Kiss were a contemporary cultural monolith. They were just but what so I would fucking argue huge. Is that in some ways I feel like it's Kiss to people now. It's like oh yeah, that's just let the kids play. With you know, with the whole sort of uh, kayfabe, is it kayfabe? Kayfabe sort of thing. It's like Kiss have just been doing their their thing and not actually that interested in it because I wasn't involved. So people that weren't into Kiss and aren't into Kiss are just like they understand that that was just kids playing about. Whereas Motley Crue still has a a resonance for some reason to people that want to go back and and look and go. Well, that was fucking fucked up. Whereas be- the, the entire point of Kiss was that it was uh, everybody was playing and it was a, kind of a safe space. Whereas Motley Crue wasn't a safe space at all. It was a fucking horrible space. Yeah. And also, I will. I mean, admit- I think I think we're really underselling how debauched and messy Kiss was. I think we're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to get to this in but quite al- a way. I would also say that Kiss within rock and roll were hugely significant. And influential, and there's there's no doubt that a lot of bands in the eighties and nineties look back at Kiss and even fucking Slipknot, you know, were massively influenced by Kiss. But that's within rock and roll. But then you look at just mainstream popular culture, and Motley Crue are more influential, or not influential, no, but I, like I, I, just ha- ha- get more headlines in newspapers. I, yeah, the thing that strikes me about both bands is that. Both bands are very, very much in the business of creating their own mythology about themselves. Very much so. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a distinction I want to break down, that is that, that Motley Crue are any less guilty of that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but what I'd say is that, like, y- your whole starting argument was about the k and, like, creating that world that Kiss live in, and I think Kiss lived within that world, and that world became huge, whereas Motley Crue weren't as clever as that and yeah. didn't create that world and therefore the a, mess they created yeah. seeped out into the real world like much bloody, more. Bloody, there's, a, there's a blurring of the lines of reality and fiction with a band like Motley Crue because, they, I mean, a lot of the lyrics I think are quite are quite violent in that era, which was not unusual in the early 80s. Um, Can we have a lyrics round, by the way? Yeah, but I'm leaving that. I'm going to leave it up to you guys because I've only got Molecule <laughs> ones and not even that many, unless you've got some, Dave. Um, a couple, but... But I, I think, yeah, I, I think a lot of the, especially on the early records, are, the likes are quite violent and they do talk about some of their experiences growing up and, and stuff like that, which I don't... Did Kiss really ever do anything like that? I, I, I couldn't I don't know if he did, but I mean, Paul Stanley had a genuinely rough upbringing. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that... Paul like, Stanley was like in, in gangs and getting slashed and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the, like, Motley Crue more overtly, probably not deliberately, there was a blurring of lines between reality and fiction, whereas Kiss have always come across as larger than life. And Kiss, Kiss arrived more fully formed, yeah. as, we, mm-hmm. as we agreed from the start. I think they had a better sense of what they wanted to be. Uh, but we shouldn't downplay just how fucking off the rails they were as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean we're not, Ace, we'll talk Ace about Freely, for a long time, was the gold standard of absolute fucked upness like there were there were people in bands making a joke of like yeah he's off the rails but at least he's not he's freely off the rails that <laughs> you know this guy was fucking wild so yeah we shouldn't i mean admittedly you know nikki six gave him a good run for his money by dying was it twice mm-hmm. um but 
Yeah, I, I I just think that there's a lot of similarities. Like this this notion that one is more authentic and more edgy than the other is is not really. No, that's, uh, that's that's not what I'm trying to say. I think I'm, that can I, as to just to put a cork in that. My argument there is simply that I think Motley Crue, what they've done is they've identified certain points where the collective cultural memory is fading enough that they've been able to insert themselves as the iconic band of that era. In 1984, were Motley Crue bigger than a lot of the bands around them? Not really, um, but in 1994, did Motley Crue seem like they were bigger Yes, because they managed to cement that, and in two thousand and four and in two thousand and twenty, you know, they've they've identified these junctures in the collective consciousness where good marketing, good teams, whatever, good luck, uh, they've been able to write themselves in as the icons of that era, which doesn't really hold up, I don't think, for the people of that era. I mean, I would say a lot of people would say that Judas Priest were a bigger band than Motley Crue, but Judas Priest. To a lot of people don't seem to have had that cultural prominence and that's because Motley Crue were better at rewriting that in terms of but just to go back a little bit in terms of bigness in the 80s um Share the Devil was the 19th biggest selling album of 1983 um so they were definitely up there around about the the of the, and then that's of all artists it's not just like you know metal um the Doctor Feel Good 1989 12th Mm-hmm. The biggest selling album of the year, so they were they were huge. But right? was that the biggest even metal selling album of that year? I have no idea. It's just I, I, and that, that's the other thing as well. That's nineteen eighty nine, and literally that style of music was about to die. Yeah, that's, it was like mm-hmm. Motley Crue took a long time to peak. They did. I mean, that's in one that the, scene, there were other yeah, there were other bands that crested in eighty six. Motley Crue were at nineteen eighty nine, which is right at the. I mean, Nirvana had already brought out fucking Bleach. Yeah. I mean, the, like the letter was already in the post. You guys are fucking toast. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that's one of the things people often talk about with Motley Crue, right? Is the fact that they did come quite late to the game with with their biggest mm-hmm. biggest hits and most marketable. Was when they all got clean into this record, and that's a good that's a good story in and of like, itself, yeah, right? That's like the extreme era. That's like when extreme yeah. and ugly kid Joe and fucking poison and stuff were like getting really fucking huge. Yeah. You know, it's like it's the end of that of that hair metal scene. The point I was trying to make is I don't think that I don't think one band is more authentic than the other. I think that, like I said, both bands are definitely in the business of creating mythologies for themselves. I do think in our present day, the Motley Crue mythology is stronger, significantly stronger, just because of time. Because it's, of it's t- closer titillation it's, as well. Because yeah. as much as we live in a, a very evolved and woke era, like people do love to fucking just dabble with a tale of excess, and that's mm-hmm. what I find a little bit disturbing about Motley Crue's mythologizing of themselves. Because whilst some of it is deliberately engineered to be titillating and excessive and taboo. There's a lot of shit in there that you know is just not in there that is way over the score because it wasn't, it just couldn't legally be published. And so that's that's the thing about them. Like, do we even know Motley Crue? I don't think Kiss were as good as managing their own behind the scenes mythos. I mean, we actually, we'll, we'll. I'm sure we're going to touch on it in this one coming up later, but the interpersonal shit in Kiss was a fucking absolute shit show. Yeah, totally. That's you know, a big books thing. coming out right, left, and centre, humiliating each other, and fucking interviews like he's a fucking idiot, he's a fucking idiot, blah blah blah. Motley Crue, uh, you know, they kept the same guys. They they had a much tighter ship in that respect. Mm-hmm. I'd just like to have a little mic drop here because I actually have the winning cultural legacy. Mm-hmm. Go for it. 
uh, methods of mayhem. Jesus. Tommy Lee's rap rock project in the 2000s. Wow. Uh, I think that record featured Fred Durst, Crystal Method, Kid Rock, Snoop Dogg, (laughs) Lil' Kim... George Clinton and Mixmaster Mike. It's a Nexus dream. It is. He left, he left Motley Crue to do that project, which yeah. just tells you everything about so, the, the I mean, 90s, right? Well, I is think, there any better legacy than <laughs> that actually, Methods yes. of Mayhem record? I, I think I can see your Methods of Mayhem and raise you because Gene Simmons went out with Diana Ross for two years. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, but did they make a record together? No, they didn't, but they made a lot of loving. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Sad down. <laughs> It's a hard one to judge because another thing we stop, we, which we haven't, dis- <laughs> another thing we haven't discussed is <laughs> I just got that. Um, another thing we haven't discussed, we have discussed it in the last episode, but we haven't discussed it in the context of this. Is the sex tape as a massive? Whether you want to talk about it as as being, you know, yeah, it's a, cult- it's a it was huge a cultural, cultural milestone. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, it's absolutely fuck all to do with our paltry amount of good songs, but, but yeah, we're talking about culture here. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. Uh, I mean, anyway. I mean, even from the fucking cover of like "Too Fast to Live," like they were, they were immediately apart from referencing the Rolling Stones, they were desperate to make it known that Tommy had Lee had a, had a wang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So that's a tough too one. Too fast to live. Too fast for love. Too so. fast for love. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is. Well, you're the judge, though. I know. Tough or not, you're going to have to make a decision because this shit can't be a draw. Uh, there's there there already been some draws I think this, might, this one looks like it might be creaning towards it as well You better save a round as a tiebreaker Mark Because if this ends up as a draw We're going to have to have a penalty shootout We are, that's true um, I'm going to, I think I think I need to call it as a draw <laughs> Oh for fuck's sake <laughs> The only reason I, th- I don't really say Get that off the fucking fence mate I think, it's, I think it's prudent to be in the fence in this one Because both bands have Both bands have, have had Like huge influences in different ways on culture You know what? I've raised my hand. I have one last thing to throw into your decision here. Which band do you think is responsible for spawning more bands? Because I would quite confidently say that Kiss win that. I think I think you might be right on that one. Yeah, okay. Which band do you think has been responsible for more Sex tapes? <laughs> for no no. For more relationships breaking up. <laughs> actually, I, don't actually, actually, I don't actually know. That's a draw. Yep. <laughs> I don't actually know that one. Um, Come on, surely must edge that. I mean, Kiss, when you read anything by Henry Rollins, Ian Mackay, any of the fucking punks from the fucking, dist- like, the Washington scene, the fucking, like, New York scene, they fucking loved Kiss. The New York Dolls, Iggy, fucking all of them. I mean, you're right, but something's just coming out of my head. Sorry, I don't care about that shit. I've now come to de- I've come up, come to decision. No, I've now come to decision. Um, the marketing aspect of Kiss, I think, probably wins it for me because I, obviously I work in marketing and they're fucking great at that. And that is a mass. That's a we've just you just spoke about the, how the dice were loaded from the start. Uh, we, just, we just you just spoke about how many people were influenced by by Kiss, including uh, Nicky Six. Absolutely, yeah. You totally. know, and I Easily. think you can't have Motley Crue without Kiss. You can't have. Kiss without Motley Crue Because you did Yeah you did And I think They changed the game For how bands can Market themselves And and different revenue Streams and all that And 
Just say, okay, Dave, I would say that th- these should be points that are getting taken off. <laughs> that's no, because, I'm, like, I when I listen to music, I I'm not like, oh, gee whiz, I wish I'd have a good flask of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm, they I'm, they are everything that's wrong with modern music. Oh yeah, they fucking both bands poisoned. Are. Both bands are. They just dripped commercialism. Like Kiss are the greatest rock and roll corporation of all time well but but on the flip of that man metal bands are only kept afloat now by their merch sales and they probably owe that to the world of fucking merchandising that kiss helped create so you know what dave a a good time to score is early in the second half and i'm gonna i'm gonna take that point Mm. (laughs) it's gonna get get spicy in a second though (laughs) let's go let's go We've also got two bonus rounds left and there's only one that can come after this because <laughs> the, 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 the next round and the final bonus round are basically the same round. <laughs> so, um, Daftus lyrics. Oh, yeah! Okay. <laughs> you want the worst, you got the worst! Uh, yep, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all set for this, but I mean, you guys can go first if you want. Uh, I think Kiss has to go first because he came first. Kiss. Uh, right, for, like as we said about the kayfabe thing, Kiss absolutely are hyper aware and it's not even a secret how much they're aware of their own absurdity okay and exhibit a malud is the song going blind right going blind's lyrics I, when I, I first heard the Melvins cover and I actually thought that Melvins had changed the lyrics to make it more silly, to, to kind of sort of tongue-in-cheek affectionately take the piss out of Kiss but they didn't. The lyrics are <laughs> I'm 93, you're 16 mm-hmm. and the chorus, that refrain Totally embracing their fucking lascivious, stupid nature. But there's an even better lyric in that song, which is just so fucking self-aware and almost like properly like comedy writing, where it goes, little lady, can't you see? You're so young and so much different than I. Didn't, well, go, I, didn't go for the obvious right yeah, exactly like it's, <laughs> no but it's just because it doesn't even fit in the meter yeah, it like, doesn't, like it doesn't, just, yeah. it's so much different than I and you're just like that is fucking wonderful like I love the humour in that line mm. Well, I mean, uh, there's no humour here. <laughs> On slice of your pie, tattoo, oh, I've got this too. tattoo crawling down <laughs> her leg, so sexy, so young. Ever get caught? They'll arrest me. <laughs> oh, schoolgirl study up well on hoochie coochie, lick lips, kitten with a whip, so undress me, undress me. Hey, pretty, pretty, with sweet, sweet eyes, order me, up, order me up, and I'll slice your pie. Whiplash, I never looked 
that you in high school hot girl always walk behind you for the rear view rear view good god baby baby blow my fuse when you walk this way 19 seductive ballerina so trashy trashy 19 seductive ballerina so trashy trashy (laughs) (laughs) why are ballerinas trashy he'll be the blood in your eyes He'll be the blood between your thighs. Oh, that's about, that's about, that's about Satan. Mm. Is that one of the 92 ones? Or no, that's like, about... No, that's on that's that Shout the Shout Devil. The devil. That's about, I think that's specifically about Satan. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting wrinkle, and that's going to come into a round, I think. Mm. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you guys are really struggling here. So, uh, take me, put your hand in my pocket, grab onto my rocket. Uh, let's put the X in sex. Don't need no doctor putting me to bed. Give me the nurse, and I'll make sure that she's fed. Uh, the song Rock Hard You make me rock hard Baby all night Love's like a glove And it fits just right Okay And obviously the double entendre And rock hard Is just mm. fucking brilliant um, Love gun Come on I mean love gun For fuck's sake No place for hiding baby No place to run You pulled the trigger On my love gun Anyway you slice it Why settle for second When you can have the best Let me be your king bee I want your hornet's nest <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even make any fucking sense um, Hardest Kelpies <laughs> My personal favourite is from a track called Burn Bitch Burn Okay, okay. Not a great song um, But the lyric Gonna put my log in your fireplace. <laughs> I mean, like for everybody that's seen Spinal Tap uh, and and they've 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 they know the song Sex Farm. Or, <laughs> plowing through your on a sex farm. Plowing through your bean fields, <laughs> trying to raise some hard love. <laughs> Was it getting out my pitchfork, poking your hay? I mean, it's just, this is exactly, Kiss were the bedrock of a lot of that Mm. film. Uh, There's more. uh, Like a dog to a bone, I can make you sweat, I can make you moan. Love's so sweet, so insane, so come on and lick my candy cane. There's so many mixed metaphors. (laughs) That's from Gimme More. And um, the final one I would throw in is from Lick It Up. Don't need to wait for an invitation. You gotta live like you're on vacation. There's something sweet you can't buy with money. Lick it up. <laughs> Lick it up. I mean, come on, kiss win the terrible fucking lyrics round. You didn't bring up Christine sixteen. No, I didn't. Which you need to bring up, mate. No, but I don't want to lose points. <laughs> and, like, at this particular stage, I don't think Molly took him one point, to be honest. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, all in the name of rock and roll. She's only 15. She's the reason, the reason that I can't sleep. You see illegal. I say illegal's never been my scene. Oh, yeah. I try like hell, but I'm out of control. Um, machi- machi- featuring the dirt featuring Machine Gun Kelly. M- machine Gun Kelly's verse. 
Give me more sex, more tats, more blood, more pain, more threats, more theft, torn jeans, cocaine, more pretty strippers with the big red lips, making big tits, showing off the big tits, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off, Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) I mean, the the Kiss one's bogging. It's bogging, but it's two years older than Iggy Pop's bogging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. True. Can I cling on to that at um, least? Saints Los Angeles, uh, red line tripping on a landmine, sipping at the troubadour, girls passed out naked in the back lounge, everybody's going to score. She's, oh. she's all jacked up, she's down in her luck, you want it, you need it, the devil's going to feed it. That's from 2009. What's that? Saints of Los Angeles. That's, that's fucking Motley Crue in 2009. That's an album about the dark. Okay. So. It's not really Motley Crue, but can I give you lyrics to Get Naked by Methods of Me? <laughs> <laughs> this is Tommy Lee rapping. $77 million made from watching me come under the sun <laughs> on my vacation after hours on Spectrovision shooting my jizzy jizzy jism in the woody. <laughs> my, the woody has risen, risen, I ain't getting paid to entertain your birthday showers, rocking my porno tape for hours and hours. Clitorises are feeding me because it's bigger than Ron Jeremy. And then Fred Durst says, because it's them ass cheeks that make them ass weak. And I've been running... Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> is, is that so, uh, is that a cover of the Carpenters? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh, Jesus, this is difficult because Kiss obviously won with how ridiculous and funny the lyrics are. Yeah, go to put my log in your fireplace. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is like that. I think inspired a lot of the Spinal Tap. You know, I mean, yeah, I thing. surely, clearly, Kiss get points. I get points. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. Just being illegal, <laughs> rapists. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I was thinking, to be honest, because, yeah, I mean, a lot of the lyrics are just really dull, you know, um, but when they do bad ones, sometimes yeah. they are quite but, Right, bad, so, so. L- little misogyny points, though. Uh, <laughs> misogyny points. Well, <laughs> I've got to claw them back here, because I've just lost a bunch. Um, how They're many Qatar. How many members of KISS have been female? Uh, oh, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> I don't want to be narrow minded, but I would say probably none. Well, yeah, Motley Crue have had one female member. They're positively woke. Well, that's Modern. surely a point. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, they did. Uh, Tommy Lee was replaced by a female drummer. Yeah, so. Samantha Maloney was a drummer from about 2000 till 2004. Did she go upside down? I probably. Have no idea. Yeah, probably. probably. Did she have a big wine? Probably. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Uh, so that's that's that point claimed back. <laughs> fucking hell, man! Walk point, this, yeah. <laughs> a diversity point. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So then I guess it just this is this, this is, is the round where it just all uh, falls apart. This is the, it's going to be a mess. The denouement. <laughs> Can I preempt this round by saying that Paul Stanley was born with one ear? If you can, if you want. Pay, I just want petty points here because he was like apparently his cartilage grew over like. His, his other ear is like grown over Like it's covered mm. Like so he's got almost no hearing in it So please just bear that in mind Before we start talking about them as people so, <laughs> He's technically disabled So come on We're gonna We're gonna do 
the final round, which is notori- Notoriety, Madness, and Lore. There's also a bonus round called Biggest Scumbag, which is going to be really hard. Which is surely just really hard that, to pull that, pull that in, apart. That right? in. So oh, let's, let's. So I have I have some figures for this. If you want me to start off with my object, you have quote you've, unquote you've objective. Quantified the fucking. I have. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Okay. First of all, and in, in terms of controversy, right? No matter what you guys say, Motley Crew won it because Vince Neil literally killed a man in a car crash. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big one. And how how many members of Kiss that are still alive have died? <laughs> how many members that are still alive have died? Yeah, yeah. Well, Nikki okay. Six. Yep. Nikki Six has died. That's also another, I actually have written that down as a point. Yeah, Nikki Six. How many of her members have died? Well, Nikki Six literally died. So yeah, yeah. at least once. We want to talk about potential cancellations, though. <laughs> Which no, that I don't want to talk about that at all. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, cancellations are very broad term, you know. Oh, you I mean, can, I'm, that's can, basically you, my you, way of saying notoriety. It's you, like yeah, I mean, you could be cancelled for Michael Jackson cancelled, as we mm-hmm. discussed on, or the boys get cancelled episode, or you can be cancelled for Aziz Ansari cancelled. You know, it's yeah. not. It's Should not cancelled. So. Biggest. It was a different time, lads. It was <laughs> definitely a different time. So oh, yeah. I did joke in our group chat that we should just name this round Gene Simmons a case study, <laughs> but uh, there is a lot more to it. There's, a, there's way more to yeah, it. Uh-huh. Aye, aye, absolutely. Um, but he is particularly creepy as an individual. So this isn't just though about individual creepiness. This is about lore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think I want to get a couple of things on the court record first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Knights and Satan's service kiss. kiss. Um, the rumour started apparently in the Bible Belt uh, as a conservative religious reaction to this band doing these outrageous things and being really sex positive, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rumour started that KISS was an acronym of Knights and Satan Service. Gene Simmons denies that's true, but actually admits that they deliberately let it linger because it was good for business. Uh, he's been quoted as saying, ironically, this rumour started as a result of an interview I gave in Circus Magazine um, after our first album. In response to the question, I said that I sometimes wondered what human flesh tastes like. I never wanted to really find out, but I was curious intellectually. Um, and and <laughs> later on, that comment uh, ignited that whole idea that in some way Kiss was aligned with devil worship, along with some of the sillier visuals. Uh, and he says, when I was asked whether I worship the devil, I simply refused to answer for a number, number of reasons. The first reason, of course, was that it was good press. Let people wonder. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's pretty fucking decent. Like mm-hmm. in the late seventies, that kind of harmless silliness. It reminds me a bit of like Iron Maiden as well. Did something similar. It was quite panto, but mm-hmm. you know, stuffy old folk were sort of really alienated mm-hmm. and intimidated by it. Um, I also think an interesting bit of lore is around their logo. We've spoken about this in the show as well. Yes, um, the Kiss logo was designed with two lightning bolts as the SS, and it was thought to be remarkable, uh, r- remarkably similar to the SS. You know, the German uh, staff, or I can't remember how, what the fucking thing it stands for. Uh, in fact, their logo was actually banned in Germany in the 1970s. Yeah, they still, they still can't use that logo in yeah. Germany. Mm-hmm. Ace Frehley had actually drawn the logo, so it was a pure coincidence. But, mm. uh, Paul Stanley and G7 think he's anti-Semite, so... Hmm. Well, well, I think they think that in a kind of tongue-in-cheek way, but yeah, I mean, uh, Gene Simmons' mum, uh, Flora Klein, was actually in a concentration camp, and Paul Stanley's parents uh, also fled Nazi Germany during the war, so I think that part of it is pretty fucking ridiculous. Do you know that Paul Stanley went to a, a party in 1978 in a Nazi uniform? 
Uh, yes. And, How weird is that? Uh, apparently, uh, Paul Stanley said that uh, Ace Frehley and Peter Chris dressed up as Nazi officers and yep. banged on Gene Simmons's door in the middle of the night demanding to see his papers. <laughs> um, I th- yeah, so... I mean, I, I think, like, the thing with Kiss, right, in terms of, like, egos uh, and debauchery, they really don't seem to like each other that much. I think it's quite a different situation from Molly Crew, mm. where they seem a bit more discreet. Even if they have conflicts, they seem a bit more discreet. Um, Vinny, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Vinny Vincent sued them fucking mental. Chris and Freely have both said and been called a lot of things. And even, even Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley have said a fair bit about each other. Although... Interestingly, I, thought, I think it's Bruce uh, Kulik, the guitarist that came in after Vinnie Vincent, says he still really likes meeting up with him for coffee and stuff, and they all get on great. So it's a weird, nuanced thing. Like, we see it as being, like, an absolute war, but to them, I think it's quite petty. Um, on each other, accordingly, Stanley, Paul Stanley, uh, Gene Simmons wasn't the genius everyone thought he was. He was merely the guy who took credit for the actions of a lot of other people. And, and in an interview, Stanley said that he'd like to get Gene Simmons' headphones, a mirror, and a microphone so he can watch himself talk all the time. <laughs> um, and that's two guys that have been in this fucking band together the whole way through. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that is between them, even at that. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, Dave, I'll cede the floor to you in a second, but I would say for all the things these guys have done, I mean, Gene Simmons, I think it's had at least two trials for sexual battery, sexual assault. I know the sec- I don't know what happened. The first one, the second one was thrown out of court. Um, Tommy Lee literally knocked his girlfriend's teeth out of her fucking head, punched her as hard as he could in the face. You know, so that level of like physical domestic violence, I don't believe is documented in Kiss or if it is, maybe I'll be, I haven't, I haven't seen it to that extent. I forgot Vince Neil as well, who's also been charged multiple times as, uh, of uh, spousal abuse. Well, please take the floor. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about these guys. Well, I mean, I get, I, in terms of lore. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Imagine having to try and defend. <laughs> that, I'm not defend. <laughs> I'm going to lose points for all of this. So... Uh, Stem the bleeding. I mean, they have. There's literally just a flat that is famous because they lived in it, mm-hmm. and it was just so disgusting and full of shagging and drugs and cockroaches yep. and socks for toilet roll. And <laughs> I mean, they used to play. They had to go as long as possible without show, showering while still, you know, getting groupies. I mean, I mean, just r- read the dirt. It's all there, yeah. or read the stories about the things that misses out the dirt but motley crew literally just yeah stands for everything that is wrong with men yeah i mean <laughs> to be honest um there was the undercover the undercover cop incident when uh yeah so he went over and was it, it was nicky six wasn't it nicky or, six was defending the other elite afford against black angels uh, hell's angels and hell's angels turned to be undercover cops and they yeah. beat, the shit, beat the shit out of nicky six because he fought them and put him in jail for it um, they they biting the head off the bat. They, they apparently they, they, they uh, yeah that was their fault. That was their fault because Tommy Lee started the line of ants. Uh, and Which, no, 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 Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne says he's got no recollection of that actually yeah. happening. Yeah, Tommy Lee. Well, wait, <laughs> that's not surprising. Yeah, Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> doesn't remember the eighties. Yeah, on, on one hand that could be because he doesn't remember it. On another hand, it could be because the dirt is full of made up bullshit. Um, and the, uh, obviously, like we said, Nicky Six died. Um, which you can't really go over. Um, uh, yeah, Vince Neil was out driving very drunk with Razzy from Hanai Rocks. Literally killed again. And it was, I mean, Di Tommaso Pantera as well. A very cool car. 
uh, and just fucking smashed it and killed him. And he got 18 days in jail. Well, he got 30 days and served 18 of it. Talking yeah. about Pantera. During. Yeah. Uh, talking about Pantera, Ace Freely got a blowjob in front of Dimebag Darrell. Nice. I'm <laughs> um, Brett Dimebag Darrell. Fucking loved that. Um, apparently, during the recording of Share the Devil, uh, Nikki Six was also involved in a serious car crash after like stealing a friend's Porsche. Mm-hmm. And it was actually Demi Moore that told him he had to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, which is quite a good nexus. That is a good nexus. <laughs> um, um, Ace Freely got involved in a police chase. Uh, he says, I got pulled over and I had a suspended license and had bumped the back of the car. The officer said, license and registration. I said, one moment. It's right here in the glove compartment. I hit the gas and took off. That sparked the whole crazy thing. <laughs> he had basically evaded the forces for a while and they eventually caught up to him. He was driving a fucking DeLorean. I think it was a white DeLorean uh, and was charged charged with drunken and reckless driving, but got released on a $500 bail. Amazing. $500, even I could get out a fucking $500 bail. He had, I mean, he had a gang youth, like he's really, uh, guns put to his head, got in some really bad fights. Yeah, I mean, that guy, I, I mentioned it earlier on, Ace Freely was like a gold standard of fucked up in the like, late 70s, 80s. Like, until some of the names that we're talking about came on the scene, people would say, oh, he's in a bad way, but at least he's not as bad as Ace Freely, you know? Yeah, as you said, he he wore Nazi paraphernalia despite being in a band with like some very fucking Jewish people. Uh, published a memoir in 2012 that has a lot of stories in it that, you know, because he's not as invested in the band to this day, seem like a bit more credible than I would say some of the stuff in the dirt. Well, Motley, Motley Crue injected Jack Daniels into their veins. <laughs> Uh, Ace Freely nearly went blind Because he he met up with some supermodel And got so fucked up But there was metal in his face paint And it bled in his eyes And he had had to go to hospital Um, Motley Crue were kicked off the Creatures of the the Kiss Creatures of the Night tour By Gene Simmons Because they had quote unquote bad behaviour In in fairness though We'll get to Gene Simmons But Gene Simmons All of this shit happened And Gene Simmons was fucking teetotal Yep. Gene Simmons <laughs> This is the thing that I mean to be fair I don't want to bring out My big swing And Tommy Lee Dick here But Gene Simmons Did all of this shit Sober Nothing in his system Right mm-hmm. I mean that yeah, is Yeah I mean that's That, that that's is maybe Fucking wild that, Imagine what he'd have done If he was on Yeah Well that's That's maybe <laughs> What you have to choose between Is like The unbelievable amounts Of cocaine and heroin That mm-hmm. Motley Crue took And killed people And killed themselves And did all these things And you know Just did horrendous things to women and everything but they they took so much drugs but then your counter argument is that gene simmons was sober <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah i mean uh, it's not a great argument to have to go to but uh, like you mentioned peter chris as well mark so like he smashed a champagne bottle and threatened to stab gene simmons uh, gene simmons was super critical of people that were mega wasted i think i think chris and freely called drunks and losers mm-hmm. and and they were far from the only ones he had, he had issues with people he performed alongside for years who were just too fucking high and too drunk to actually do their job properly so i'm not surprised that motley crew got punted off a tour um peter chris said that the hotter than hell album uh the the, the photo shoot for it descended into like full-on group sex paul stanley was basically just taking it from like anybody male or female that was around him although his ex-wife Chris's ex-wife Lydia um, said that that actually didn't happen. Chris also says that Ace Freely gave him a blowjob, which again his wife I think denies. But yeah, I mean Peter Chris was a fucking absolute riot and got kicked out of the band for being just far too far off the deep end. Yeah, do you want to hear a bit of a story about uh, Van Halen and Motley Crue? Do it. 
Um, so guitarist Eddie Van Halen was bitten by Vince Neil during our dinner <laughs> and told me during Joe, dinner. Yeah, and this was maybe a, he just missed. And told, <laughs> apparently, at the same time, at the same do- the same dinner, Tommy Lee also bit Malcolm Young <laughs> for ACDC. Um, Van Halen and Malcolm Young were really, really furious over the behaviour and. Uh, Tommy Lee ended up getting involved in a fist fight with David Lee Roth <laughs> which ended up they were at the Monsters of Rock Festival and Motley Crue ended up getting kicked out of the hotel because of this they actually they actually demanded to the, the promoters that they remove Motley Crue from the bill but they were so p- fucking popular that the, the promoters were like we're not going to do that <laughs> so the promoter decided to come up with a, an unusual solution Motley Crue would enter their trailer immediately upon arrival at the concert venue and a large crane would then lift the trailer several metres off the ground to prevent the band members from leaving and causing trouble prior to their performance oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they would also be required to leave the concert venue immediately after the performance their manager basically said this resulted in him having to pay a fifteen thousand dollar deposit before any hotel would allow the band to stay. That is fucking wild. Yeah, that is wild. Mm. Basically, um, he also established a rule in which each band member would need to submit to him a list of all the things he had destroyed in a hotel before they had allowed him to check out. So, mm. so, so before we actually get to Gene Simmons, which I, I could, the the writing's on the wall here, uh, Vinny Vincent we mentioned came in for just over two years. Uh, he was the ank warrior but they also sometimes call him the um, the wizard he had that kind of ank symbol on him uh, do you know he wrote music for happy days before he joined Kiss amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, great guitarist uh, better than Ace Freely similar style but better really improved their musicality ended up suing Kiss 14 times for various things um, yet somehow came back in 1992 and contributed to the Revenge album so you sue them 14 times but Still able to bury the hatchet That's what I don't get It's just To us on the outside We're like These guys must really Want each other to die And then they just Get back in a room And you know For business sake Do this thing And I think a lot of people In Hollywood uh, Especially rich people Just see lawsuits As like a thing It's not really like It's not a personal attack It's just Something that you do It definitely Feels very counterintuitive Doesn't it Mm. So I mean I guess this is where we bridge into the next the bonus round, right? Yeah, because I've got I've got one here called Number of Shite Opinions, and it's a big minus one because it's Gene Simmons, who's a world class piece of shit. Is what I've written here. I, th- I think he's I, I think he's an he's a more interesting guy than we give him credit for. But yeah, yeah there's no denying he's. No, I don't think anybody's doubting that he's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you want me? To, I'll, I'll talk about some of the things I've got here, and then you can Do you it. can chuck your stuff yeah. in. Um, so. I said earlier on in the last episode, all he wants to do is get paid and get laid. That's his mantra for mm-hmm. Kiss. That's um, Paul Stanley's as well. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, when file sharing was a big thing, uh, he, sued a, <laughs> he sued a couple of them and they complete oblivion, like yeah, ruining, ruining people. He um, he's called... He's, he's, but the, the, on the bright side though, Anonymous targeted him. Yeah. Uh, Anonymous went after Gene Simmons on multiple occasions and DDoS'd his fucking site out into oblivion. However, one of the boys that did it for Anonymous got caught and Simmons tried to have him prosecuted to the full extent of the law which at one point was something like fucking seven years in jail but the, the, I think the boy ended up getting a suspended sentence but uh, yeah he he really went after them big time but he got targeted by Anonymous as a result he, uh, he thinks uh, he's, he's, he's on record as saying Islam is a vile religion and then he later changes his opinion yeah, he qualified that by saying it's he's only really talking about Religious extremists Radicals However he's really gung-ho on the fact that Israel keep bombing the fuck out of Gaza So I don't know how much of that is actually going to be legit or not Yeah I mean I'm, my opinions on Israel and 
Palestine. It's a far more fucking complicated thing than we're ever going to discuss here yeah. in any proper and do it any kind of justice. But I mean, Gene Simmons was born in Israel. He lived there until he was eight years old. He fucking grew up there living on rationed milk and bread and his childhood in Israel was not some fucking illustrious, privileged existence. You know what I mean? And... Uh Basically, he's he said a few things over the years, different things about like based on mental health and his kind of general sort of shitty attitude towards it. He's on record. That's as saying, a bad one. Yeah, yeah he's the he's the guy who tell people to jump if they were threatening to commit suicide I've by got, jumping I've off got of the a quote building. Here. Uh, Simmons on depression. Uh, for a putz 20 year old kid to say I'm depressed I live in Seattle fuck you then kill yourself I never understand because I always call them on their bluff I'm the guy who says jump when there's a guy on top of a building who says that's it I can't take it anymore I'm going to jump are you kidding why are you announcing it shut the fuck up have some dignity and jump you've got the crowd by the way you walk up to the same guy in a ledge who threatens to jump and put a gun to his head I'm going to blow your fucking head off he'll go please don't it's true he's not that insane so yeah Definitely not great chat. Funnily enough, in the Kiss versus Crew battle, Nicky Six responded. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Nicky Six has had his own issues with mental health over the years, um, and he actually came out basically <laughs> calling him a piece of shit until we fuck off. Got that quote as well. <laughs> it's pretty moronic because Simmons thinks everybody listens to him that he is the god of thunder. He will tell you he's the greatest man on earth. And to be honest with you, I like Gene, but in this situation, I don't like Gene. I don't like Gene's words. There is a twenty-year-old kid out there who's a Kiss fan and reads this and goes, "You know what? He's." Right, I should just kill myself. And you know what? Fucking Nicky Six bizarrely showing himself to be the sort of smarter man in that situation. Uh, some other details on Gene Simmons. Do you have any more? To add no, to I mean. uh, Gene Simmons made a reporter or movie's Iron Maiden t-shirt before he would continue. Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, heard about that. Uh, Gene Simmons did a very famous interview with a woman called Terry Gross, which is the interview. MP- very gross. Yep. Really yep. arrogant, really sexist. But in saying that, when you read that interview, actually verbatim, I doubt very, very much. It's he's saying things that I think maybe just other rock stars of that era had the common sense and maybe not quite the ego to actually say. I don't think anything he's saying is shocking to anybody that knows about seventies and eighties rock bands, but it's definitely shocking that he actually says it to the host. He has, as we said, a less than impressive sex tape. He apparently tried to collect a photo of every woman he'd ever slept with, which is apparently over 5,000 to date. He's banned from Fox News. Yeah, he so was that, banned from yeah. Fox News <laughs> um, <laughs> after a conversation. It takes some Jesus. going, right? Yeah. After a conversation about Harvey Weinstein, where he said, <clears throat> OK, I'm a powerful and attractive man, and what I'm about to say is deadly serious. Men are jackasses. From the time we're young, we have testosterone. I'm not validating or defending it. <laughs> hey, chicks, sue me. And then he fucking pulled open his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking turd. Um, and also, apparently, on his way out the building, touched several employees tapping their heads in a gesture that questioned their intelligence. Um, so I mean he's he's got a pretty long rap sheet um, as I said he, he called the other band members drunks and losers um, sexual harassment accusations uh, what I think is going to put the fucking nails in my coffin is that it's going to be impossible for the judge to be objective here because Gene Simmons called Prince's death pathetic <laughs> because that was a pretty shit. it was a pretty pathetic way to go I guess holy fuck there you oh, go. I didn't lose my Agreed. point um, I will say that uh, Ace Freely has also pointed out in that aforementioned book that uh, Gene Simmons hates showering. 
uh, <laughs> as a super stinky dick. Uh, he, and Gene Simmons has replied, what does showering have to do with being a responsible human being? Because that's what we think he is. Uh, what else? That's what makes you an asshole because you don't shower. Okay, you win. Uh, and also there's the story about how Gene Simmons had uh, pubic lice and then modified it to say that all the band members had it, but they were sharing groupies. So, uh, yeah. Um, in his... Oh my, I should never be don't, saying that. Don't do it, man. In his <laughs> tiniest defence, and it's very qualified even at that, in a 2010 interview in Classic Rock, Gene Simmons on Michael Jackson, there's no question in my mind he molested those kids, not a doubt, when that was not entirely a fashionable opinion, uh, albeit in saying that. Uh, in 2011 <laughs> Kiss were kicked off A Michael Jackson tribute concert <laughs> <laughs> Because somebody found out What the Gene Simmons had said I cannot even square that circle So Mark do as you will Well okay so obviously Not as many shit opinions But Vince Neil was arrested in 2002 For punching record producer Michael Schumann ordered to pay restitution and undergo community service In 2003 he was arrested again After he had assaulted a sex worker Pleaded no contest battery charges, 30 day suspension. Uh, 2004, arrest warrant for misdemeanor assault. Uh, 2007, suspicion of DUI. Uh, 2010, suspicion of drunk driving. Uh, 15 days under house arrest. 2011, charged with battery and disorderly conduct after an altercation with his ex-girlfriend. 2015, he was sued for fraud over investments in a football team. He was also cited for violating daily water cap at his home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, water in his lawn or something. Yeah, um, a hosepipe ban. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he, he said Motley Crue did need a hosepipe ban. He was fined a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the amount of water he used. He's charged for misdemeanor battery assault for of a woman in Las Vegas. So you know these are all pretty bad things. And oh yeah, he killed a fucking man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, so a guy from a, very, a band that was very successful. So maybe not the opinions, but it truly has the actions to back it up mm-hmm. in terms of scumbag. Mark, so, I'm sure you were making frenzied adjustments to your scorecard uh, during that. So actually, I had it pretty much played to what I had to be honest. So. <laughs> uh, and that makes that brings us to the end. We we kind of rolled in our biggest scumbag. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got uh, closing arguments, then, yeah. so right. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not going to change the score, but yeah, sure. Do it. I mean, I, I, I'm talking to the audience at this <laughs> yeah. point, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to acknowledge that Kiss are arguably more thirsty. I mean, Motley Crue were derivative, but Kiss were more thirsty and followed more trends shamelessly, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, both acts debased themselves on later albums following grunge and stuff like that and new metal even but it's not purely a kiss phenomenon but the kiss stuff is more erratic in terms of style but i think given how monolithic that early metal scene that sun sunset strip metal scene was is it then ironic like ironically kind of easier to identify kiss tunes as a result i think it probably is i think they've got really very very iconic songs to their name and i'm not saying the motley crew don't have big singles but i think to the lay person it'd be harder for them to be like who is that is that poison is that is that this is that that band kiss songs tend to sound are, are very very easily associated with Kiss so is Kiss a better prospect for non-metalheads or, you know your average punter I think it definitely is um, the sounds less specialised and maybe has more of a broad appeal it's more classic rock than sort of 80s hair metal and this the song spans so many styles that I think it's more likely that somebody will like 
one or two, then if you just don't like the Motley Crue sound, you won't like the Motley Crue sound. Um, Motley Crue, the opposite side, more of a focused sound, more a consistent sense of identity, definitely, but really derivative of a trend uh, and a scene and a sound at that time, very calculated. I think that's something that people just don't quite appreciate is how savvy an enterprise Motley Mm. Crue was and how constructed it was right down to the lore and the books and the fucking, you know, the fake narratives and Neil Strauss helping them build a a mythos, all that stuff. Do Crue songs sound more samey to the untrained, the unfamiliar ear? I think they probably do. Um, Forget the famous titles, purely on their merits. Crew sound like so many of those other bands, Warrant, Hanoi Rocks, Skid Row, Faster Pussycat. Um, As I said, Except that Kickstart My Heart is a great piece of work, really standout song of that era. Um, comparing greatest hits collections, I think Kiss Win. Um, even the ones that don't factor in some of their better 80s stuff um, again I want to suggest Turn On The Night which I just think is a really overlooked classic Kiss tune, Cla- classic 80s tune in fact We agree Neither of these bands can do a ballad worth a fuck. They are absolutely fucking horrendous. I, I mean, I don't think the Motley Crue even invented Motley Crue. I think Motley Crue is this sort of marketing result of all these different influences that went before. Very well executed in the end, but not original. Um, I don't think Kiss ever did an album as bad as Generation Swine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I think the, the Motley Crue self-titled album is pretty shameful as well. Uh, yeah, Crue in 83 are years behind Judas Priest. They're, they're like an early tribute to Priest. And yeah, I, I don't think there's much about them that really merits them having that iconic status other than that they've been able at certain windows to cement themselves via this kind of mixture of truths and half-truths and, and speculation about what they got up to as the the avatar for 80s metal excess. I don't know if they necessarily are that. Okay. Dave? All right. Well, I think the main thing for me is that I just hate glam rock compared to glam metal. Uh, I hate Hey, you agree though that the early Motley Crue stuff is very glam. Like, I mean, the, the, the Too Fast no, they, for Love is always a glam band, like, yeah. It's like T-Rex at points, man. I think they have... Yeah, but... They've more in, they've more in common with the metal, do this piece, would you not say, than they do with, like, rock... Glam rock. Yeah, Kiss. when I listen to Kiss, I, I like. I just, I just, I hate that it's that that seventies aesthetic and its cheesiness and its seediness. I, I fucking hate Slade and I hate T Rex and I hate Gary Glitter and I hate David. Yeah, Bowie. But Kiss sound at times more like Sabbath than they do. Mm. Maybe the early stuff, especially Going and Blind and She. Do you know what I can't get out of my head when I listen to Kiss and and stuff like that? Is the Brass Eye song, mm. the, uh, the pedo 
a brass eye song. Playground, bang around, bang a little boy. That's <laughs> way closer to Motley Crue than it no, is. No, it's not. That is exactly no, Kiss or T Rex. No way, man, pretty much. No it's like Playground, bang around. I mean, like Motley Crue are a glam hair metal band. They're glam metal. Like Kiss yeah. are are. But I'm a metalhead, you know. So to me, I just connect with their better songs better than I do with Kiss. I think Kiss. I've seen my whole life. They've been there. They they are this cultural, you know, figurehead in terms of rock and roll. They're a iconic rock and roll band, uh, one of the best selling bands of all time. And and when I just listen to it, I'm just always disappointed. I think it's <laughs> slower. I think it's less glitzy. I think I want more glam shit when I listen to Kiss. Yeah, exactly. I, you want more glam shit, and that glam shit is in Motley Crue. Yeah, exactly. They're glam. So. I just I think Kiss are the ultimate uh, to me they're they're just the ultimate gimmick they're the kings of everything but the music they're as I say I I don't think they're the greatest rock and roll band ever I think they're the greatest rock and roll corporation ever Maybe. and I think that's what yeah. that's what Kiss are and to me when I listen I think Kiss should be all about fun and maybe they are to people who I don't know like wrestling and pickup trucks. But when I when I listen and not watch, but when I listen, I just think it's dry. I think it's slow. I think it's bland. And whereas to me, if I'm driving in the car and I want to pretend I'm driving through California in the eighties, I'm going to put on fucking Motley Crue. If I want a little bit of escapism or something like that, a total guilt free nostalgia of a <laughs> life that I didn't lead I'm putting on one of the eight good Motley Crue songs and I'm not ever listening to Kiss because I I just simply don't like them and I think they are not great at music so that's my closing statement well uh, the, I mean my nerves are jangling now Chris you said earlier that uh, Motley Crue uh, th- this was on the in our little Facebook group you said f- it's E17 meets Sunset Strip yeah well I think Kiss are just Slade meets the ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Which of those sounds better? That's up there. Uh, well, let's find out. All right. So the final Total scores, up yeah. those numbers. Okay. Out of out of all the out of all the things we've done, um, Kiss have five points. <laughs> I have five uh, points. We've been going for three hours. <laughs> yep, I know. And Motley Crue have four. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, I, like, I'm not going to argue. I think it's wrong. It's for the ages, Dave. It's for the fucking ages. To it's be honest, I'm, I'm proud of my boys because we were underdogs. There's more minus points than there were plus points. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, wait, there, there can't be if it's plus five. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've broken maths. Yeah. <laughs> really broken the universe. <laughs> well, he started off, he started, obviously, it started off with a lot of plus points with things like, you know, record sales and, and commercial legacy and all that. And then. A lot of menaces came in after that. Oh, I, so. yeah, okay. I believe that. I mean, it, yeah, I think we were quite honest. I think David and myself both volunteered some of the, the fucking strongest arguments against our own candidates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I am, I, you know, the thing is, right, if you'd asked me before we started researching the episode, let's say out of five, I would have said it'll be five two to kiss. But mm-hmm. the more I researched it, the more I was like, no, this is going to be really tight. Because especially when I saw the sales, and I was like, fuck me, man. Kiss are nowhere. Like the, the no album number ones, the no single number ones thing. I was like, this is 
bad. Like, well, I, I, I mean, I simply came here on a, a contrary hot take and nothing else, <laughs> and I've managed to re- claw a five-four defeat out of it. I was not expecting that, so uh, th- thanks, Motley Crew. You've done me proud. I think that was a good old Dave's time. Dave's the eh? Saudi Arabia firmament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the, the underdogs that you, oh, no, don't like you actually. But, oh. and do I want to root for them? Oh. No, they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Mark, thanks for uh, administrating that, that was, in that was such a, a responsible fun, way. A good fun time, right? Yeah. A good fun time all and right. a good way to spend our fifth birthday. Absolutely. You know what's not such a wholesome time? The Christmas special. That is the best time, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Christmas special is that with the gloves off. Like if that was a, a an adjudicated boxing match with like an audience and a ring, the the Christmas special is two drunk old tramps in a back street with yeah, bro- fighting weasels, <laughs> <laughs> with weasels and broken jeg bottles, and people like wait like screaming them on that are holding little bags. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, can't much. wait for it. Yeah. So, so get your questions in for that. Is that <laughs> totally. correct? Well, it's next week. That's, so it's going to be our next episode. So we've probably recorded it by the time this goes out. Oh, right, okay. Um, if if, if the stars have aligned a lot, guys, we're, we're really going to have a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this episode comes out on our fifth or close to our 15th. Pray for us. Pray for us that you hear from us again in the second week of January 2023. God bless. Yeah. Uh, so. Look forward to, we are looking forward to the Christmas episode. Hopefully you are as well. <laughs> um, we've not done it yet as of recording, so we don't know what fucking chaos has ensued, but I'm sure it'll be fun nonetheless. How many of us are there going to be? Four. Four. Vicky's Vicky. joining us. Yeah. Okay. She needs to, she feels she needs to make up for the shambles of last year. Well, <laughs> gosh. Who's going to be the shambles this year? I wonder. I think it's going to be me. I but still I've haven't d- been I've, the shambles yeah, yet. I've done my shambles. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be the shambles. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking a safety helmet for that yeah. one. Uh, go to paypal.com forward slash unsungpod if you want to donate money to Weaver's Getting Bucky Fund. Yep. <laughs> or Weaver's Bail. Or, yeah, or his bail, aye. <laughs> <laughs> See you on the other side. Bye, everybody. Bye.